0: the miracle of modern technology. Good evening folks. Welcome to Let's Talk CFL episode 390. Has it really been that many 390? It seems like just yesterday we were at episode 1 and we started out not knowing what we're doing. And now look at us. We still don't know what we're doing, but we've got it 390 times. Good evening folks and welcome to the Let's Talk CFL podcast episode 390. I'm aware I just said that already once, but in case you missed it or you're joining late, I said it again. And it was an interesting, interesting weekend. We had uh, a battle for first place at IGF Field. No, excuse me. It wasn't at IGF Field. It was at Commonwealth. IGF Field was getting ripped up in the NFL. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But, uh, yeah, so we had the, the battle for first place at Commonwealth Friday night. But I was just commenting, it seems like forever ago that that game took place. It was only two days ago, but it just seemed like a long, long time ago. Then we had the uh, Saturday doubleheader, one blowout, and one close, tight defensive game here in Vancouver. And then an absolutely fabulous game this morning. Well, it was this morning my time. If you're in the East, it was in the high noon. But here it was a breakfast game for me. I was having my morning coffee and my breakfast while I was watching it. Uh, so the Saturday night game. So, yeah, the Saturday night game was enjoyable. Uh, uh, the Saturday games were enjoyable, even though one was a blowout. The battle for first place in Friday night at Commonwealth was good. And uh, today's game was fabulous. Uh, it was an early game, but it was fun to watch. But, um Yep, so we're going to talk about all that and then some around the CFL, a couple of uh, notable names going into uh, the um, Ring of Honor, both here in Vancouver, also uh, Saskatchewan, where they put Kerry Joseph into their Ring of Honor. Uh, Well-deserved. I thought he had some good years with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And, yeah, we had the big touchdown Atlantic today, so... um, yeah, this is, uh, of course, being put on by the, quote-unquote, Atlantic Schooners, the team that has a name and very little else. But, yeah, it looked like a great atmosphere there. It looked like a, a great um, great event. Uh, there were some uh, empty seats there. It was not a complete sellout. You could tell by looking. You could see some empty seats. Uh, but it was still a pretty good crowd, even though it wasn't a complete sellout. And they were into that game. They really were right from start to finish. And I believe that there are, uh, you know, die uh CFL fans in the Maritimes. I'm not disputing that for one second. What I'm disputing is, is there enough of them? And, yeah, there's still that matter of a stadium. Because that stadium that they played in today, well, it looked nice. That's not a long-term pitch because it only seats like 12,000 people. So they need a better stadium. Uh, you can expand that stadium to about twenty thousand using temporary seating, but who really wants to sit in a temporary seating stadium for long term? I don't know. It was a nice stadium, but it didn't seem like anything huge facilities there or whatnot. But anyways, it was an enjoyable game today. Um, a couple of the other games were good. Uh, like I said, there was one blowout with Edmonton, uh, Ottawa, and Saskatchewan. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Anyone really surprised that was a blowout? No. But, uh, yeah, we're uh, back. We're ready to talk some football. And I've rambled for five minutes. And I know everyone else out there who's listening live is probably saying, please bring somebody else on. So we're going to do just that right now. And we're going to go to Manitoba, home of the first-place Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And we're going to say good evening to Mark. How you doing? I'm doing good. Were you at – no, you weren't at the game because it was in Edmonton, but uh, it was still probably a good one for you to watch here. I keep thinking it's in Winnipeg, but it wasn't.
2: Yeah, no, it was lots of fun to watch. It's it's good to yeah. know that uh, we can win without a quarterback.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Uh, I'm going to make an interesting comparison. I'm not going to do it now. I'm going to gonna do, re- review the game, but I'm going to make a comparison, an interesting one to Chris Trevler. And I think at least for the of the Friday game, it kind of fits. But I'll bring it up when we get to the game review. Uh, so we've got two other people online who are going to be joining us here, and they both live in the province of Alberta. And I can't remember, I believe this is Will's number here, the 803 number. We're going to find out right now. Hello, this is Will, right?
1: No, this is uh, Phil. Thank you. It's not Phil. I know your voice. Oh, okay. I didn't I, I didn't yeah. confuse you, is that what you're telling me? I tried. No, not in the least, no. Yes, you're you're talking to Will from Rainy Alberta. Okay? It's been raining here and raining here and raining here. I almost feel like I live in Vancouver or something. I don't like rain.
0: Well don't worry, probably in about three weeks it'll be replaced by snow, so don't worry about it.
1: In three weeks, wow. You mean I'm getting an extra week this year? Yeah, really. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's yep. gonna sell in no time. Trust me, everything's turning already. Oh, probably. Yep. So it is. It is, and I'm not looking forward to winter either. So. Uh, Indeed. I don't <sighs> think anybody is. Yep. No. All right. Well, we got. Sorry. Go on. Well. Go ahead. Bring Phil on. Oh,
0: okay. Yep. All right. Well, we got one more person to bring in. He's in Alberta, but he's a Riders fan, and his team had a good day the other day as well. Good evening to you, Phil. Good evening, gentlemen. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, not only
3: good. is it rainy in Calgary, it's very, very cold. Hm. Miserable.
0: Well, cold and miserable. Well, we've had sunny out here on the west coast. I mean, it was kind of humid, but I think I'll take it compared to what you're how you're describing your weather.
3: It was a good good weekend to be inside watching football.
0: Yep. Sounds like it. Yep. All right. Well, we that's what we did. and We had four games this weekend starting on Friday night. So I think we should just hop right into it. For some reason, the buttons I'd like to press on the uh, old blogcock board aren't up and running tonight. I don't know why. So I'll just go into it uh, on my own. And we had... Uh, the first game of the week was Friday night. We're done with the Thursday night games, I think, now uh, for the season. Thank God, because I hate Thursday night games. And other than a few exceptions, the Thursday night concerts also suck. Uh, but there was no concert, but there was a football game in Edmonton on Friday night. It was a battle of first places. The first place Winnipeg Blue Bombers went into Edmonton, traditionally a pretty hard place for visiting teams to win, and they were able to go in there and spank the Eskimos. Well, they didn't blow them out. They beat them by 6 points, but hey, they a win is a win. They were using their backup quarterback. Uh they had Chris Traveler in there and he did just enough for them to win. And uh when they did, so that puts their uh they're up now to I think uh 7-8 and 2 now. So that's a pretty impressive record for the Blue Bombers, especially now without uh, Schebler. Mark, you're a Bombers fan. Uh, what'd you think? How'd you see this one?
2: It was about what I expected.
0: Um, I
2: really didn't expect the game I saw out of Willie Jefferson. That was just amazing. What were his stats at the end of it? three tack, Two tackles, two forced fumbles. Uh, two or three sacks. It really was like the Bomber defense, realistically, mostly won the game. I'll get to in a sec what really did um, lose the game for Edmonton. But um, I'm impressed with Strebler's running ability. Just amazes me. Hey, God, he's not gonna last two or three games if he doesn't start throwing the football. I don't care if he's not completing them. He's going to have to start just throwing the ball to stay alive. Trevor Harris, we got a huge game out of him, over 400 yards passing, I believe. Uh, But all field goals again. So that part of Trevor Harris did come back. He is absolutely elite between the 20s. And he's mediocre at best after that. The Bombers took away Edmonton's running game right away in the first quarter. They had no running game except for one big play. It was really it was the Bomber defense that won most of the game. And two idiotic penalties that really lost the game for Edmonton. They don't take their helmet to helmet and... Pushing the ref, they probably win that game. Winnipeg's defense was gassed. They probably would have been able to get at least two more scores. But 30 yards, and I'll give Streffler credit on that little mini drive. He threw the ball on a tough second and seven and was able to complete it and made some smart decisions. He's he's got some IQ. It's just can he throw a football? All in all, uh, defense and Edmonton dumbness won the game. And hey, eight and two in first place. I'll take that every week.
0: Go ahead. All right, Phil, what did you think of this game?
3: It was a Western showdown, I guess. It was going in. It was the two best teams in the in the in the West, and or at least two teams with the most points, with wins. And uh, I guess I didn't expect this outcome. I think the Winnipeg Blue Bombers maybe did this a little bit with mirrors when you look at statistically. Did Strebler even throw for 100 yards?
0: Nope.
3: Uh, 89. 89. Yeah. And uh, Harris put up over 400. And this is Everybody's always told me this is a quarterback-driven league and a throwing league. So I, I'm not going to expect to see Winnipeg win too many war games like this, although uh, certainly the Riders did in 2018 uh, with some similar – uh, throwing statistics. So interesting that Paul LaPolice is able to adjust the strabler run offense to be sort of a ball control and protect the ball offense. And uh, so it really made it for a very interesting game to watch. Um, you know, it, it's it, it might have been more exciting, though, and I think it would be better for the Bombers going forward if, if they had had the cap space to probably entice uh, Kevin Glenn out of retirement, because you know they would have had to throw a big number at him to get him to come out, and and uh, that's kind of a cheap shot there, sorry, about that, Mark. But uh, Chris Jones continues to leave his foot fingerprints all over the CFL, like, and I'm talking about Willie Jefferson. He's the most dynamic player in the CFL at any position right now, in my opinion. Um, he's he's my vote or leading candidate for MOP. Not not defensive MOP, but most outstanding player in the whole league. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, the Riders thought Micah Johnson was going to be that kind of player, clearly, based on the money they paid him. And you know it's it's a no brainer to say that they probably should have spent that kind of money on Willie instead, and uh, I'd be like Sam aguab imitating chris Jones love me some Willie but uh no, it was a tough tough game it was it was really physical um, it was a solid showcase for the c f l it really was working at drawing u s viewership dollars they the, uh, it, was a, it was a good display, but uh, most critically, the bombers are now five and zero in the division. Yep, and
0: that's huge.
3: It is. It really is, and uh, and they've got a lot at a lot of risk or a lot on the line over the next couple of games, going back to back with the riders, and it's going to be pretty exciting.
0: Yep, that's what I got. Will,
1: your thoughts on it. Well, here. you know what? I didn't like this game at all. It had nothing to do with the Bombers winning. I, I'm wondering where Jason Moss's head is, okay? Okay, we knew that without uh, without Matt Nicholson, the Bombers were going to rely on the run more, okay? And so you get, of course, you get Andrew Harris, and you get strevler You know strevler's going to run the ball, but but Edmonton's, Edmonton's defensive line is set up to sacks for sacks. Well, if they hadn't just stayed in one place, they would have got lots of sacks because Strebler would have run into them instead of them rushing the passer and then letting Strebler run down the field, okay? I, uh, I don't know um, why they didn't defend for that because, I mean, I, I, I don't know if they couldn't stop Winnipeg's offensive line, I, it's it's hard for me to tell, but in Edmonton, I mean, you got to you got to score touchdowns. Trevor Harris, I've never been a big fan, but he did play well. And uh, I, I, you, you got to score touchdowns. If they had a scored two touchdowns on any of those drives, they would have won the whole thing. But they didn't, and Winnipeg won. And Winnipeg, for all credit, they're eight and two. Is it? I think eight and three, eight and two. And uh they're the they're the top of the CFL right now. I don't know how long they'll stay there, but I think they'll stay there for a while now that they've uh beat Edmonton again cuz they won the Edmonton series and now they're going to play Saskatchewan and if they can win that series, well, we'll see what happens. So, but yeah, I I didn't think I didn't I didn't think it was a very exciting game. Willie Jefferson, yeah, Willie Jefferson was fantastic. As far as league MVP, yeah, I don't think so. Um, there's not many defensive players that ever get that honor. But uh, And Willie Jefferson was a dynamic player against Edmonton, and he has played well this year. But I, I haven't seen those kind of games often from him. He is a good player, there's no doubt about it. But I'm assuming that because he's a former rider, Phil has to – tell us that he could be the league MVP, but that's just Phil's opinion. Anyways, go ahead, Charles.
0: Well, to be honest, I think Willie Jefferson has played extremely well this year. I think he's been one of the best defensive players in the league this year. Um, uh, Just his size, and just the way he plays out there, I thought he was very good. Uh, And he was really dominant in this game. He's probably one of the main, if not the main reason, that the uh bombers won this game. Um so on to Chris Treveller. I said I had an interesting uh comparison for Chris Treveller and um I do. The way that, especially the way the the um bombers won this game. Chris Strebler in this game at least reminded me a lot of Tim Tebow when he was starting games for the Denver Broncos because he would be going out there and he would do most of his offense with his legs. He was running. He was passing uh, games, getting 70, 80, 90, 100 yards passing, and he had 70 or 80 yards rushing, and they, they were winning games like that. And this was a lot of what Streveler was like in this game. He was only had the 89 yards rushing. If you were looking at just the stat line from this game, you would probably swear that the Palmers would have won, or that the Eskimos would have won because they almost had double the offense that the Bombers have. In fact, this is the second week in a row the Bombers have had less than 300 yards. They, BC held them to do about, I think it was about 277 the week before, and uh, they finished with a total of 278, so around the same area. But they've been able to win their game basically on the backs of their defense and their rushing game. And this game, it was Tim, Te- or Tim, Te- now I'm calling him Tim Tebow. No, uh, this game, it was Strebler who actually led the Bombers in rushing, 95 yards rushing. He was the leading rusher for the Bombers, which, while it's impressive, you don't want your quarterback as your leading rusher because they're not going to survive very long if that's the case, especially when you've got a stud back like Andrew Harris. Chris Strebler should not be getting more rushing yards than um, more rushes than Andrew Harris. Struggled around the ball 14 times. Harris 13 times. That ain't right. Um, and like Mark said, if he doesn't smarten up and start getting passing the ball more, uh, this success will not last. Because he was at 41% passing. That's not enough. That's uh, he's got to be better than that. So Wally. He did it a lot with his legs. Um if a team were to shut him down rushing, then the bombers are in trouble if he's only getting eighty nine yard passing. He's got to improve that number through the air considerably if the bombers are gonna keep having um are gonna keep having uh success. Now on the Edmonton side, um Trevor Harris um had 430 yards passing, and like Mar said, it was between the 20s. One touchdown pass. In fact, only one offensive touchdown, period, for the Eskimos in this game. When you have a team that puts up 523 yards of total offense and they only generate one offensive touchdown, that's also a problem because you're only kicking field goals, and that's no way to win a football game. So, you can't just rely on uh, between the 20s and kick a field goals. You're not going to win many games like this, man. And this is why the Eskimos did not win this game. If they generate one more offensive touchdown, just one, they win the game. But they didn't do it. And Winnipeg comes away with the win. They squeezed it out. It wasn't uh, a masterpiece by any sense of the imagination but at this time of the year or at any time of the year for that matter it doesn't have to be and the bombers get the win they're 8 and 2 and uh heading into uh a back to back with the riders and if they win the next two they've pretty much got first place sewn up but that might be easier said than done all right uh, and I should point out and I just realized I didn't point it out off the top of the show uh CJ is not with us tonight it looks like he will not be with us tonight he was out somewhere And the last we heard, right before the show, he was about 45 minutes from home. So it doesn't look like he'll be joining us tonight, just so you know. That's why I'm hosting you. You're stuck with me for the night. So uh, he also has all of our uh, scores and predictions. Uh, So we're not able to update that. So we'll have to update that at a later time. All right. So I think uh, anything left from anybody on this game?
1: I I was going to mention one thing, Charles. Um, I was curious to know on Friday night where the eye in the sky was because that first really nasty hit Strveler took. I think they should have sent him out for concussion protocol because he got his bell rung. It was obvious that he got his bell rung, and if he keeps on playing like that, he's not going to be around much longer. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys remember what that. If you guys remember that play, but he looked like he got rocked big time. I
3: do. I do, and I remember saying to myself, if it had been any other quarterback in the league, uh, they would have taken him out. But they thought, ah, that big bull Str- straggler,
2: he'll be okay, and he was.
1: Yeah, he was.
2: He's not going to have a long career doing it. Charles, I just sent the. Um...
0: I just, yeah, I just opened it up right. here. So, um, yeah, so Mark just sent me the. Um... Uh, just sent me the um, the scores for this week's game, so I'll be able to look that up. It's been worked out here, and so let's look at this game. With 30, the score was 34 to 21. Uh, for no, it was not. It was 34 to 28 for the Bombers. Um, so I had the Bomber. I had Edmonton, so I'm out on that one. I'm just trying to figure out how the Oh, yeah, okay, so it was 34-28. I had Edmonton. I'm out on that one. Um, Will had Edmonton. He's out. Mark, 27-23, you were out by 7-5, so you were out by 12 points. Phil said uh, he had Edmonton 31-17, so he's out. And the winner, even though he's not here tonight for only the third time this year, C.J., who said 32-28 bombers, oh, a difference of just two points. Yeah, he had the um, Edmonton score bang on and just out by two points. So C.J. gets the gold star, and he's in the win column. So good for him. And he's not even here. He's always complaining every week when he's hosting that he, he didn't he win again. He finally wins, and he's not here. Go figure.
3: We all feel good about him actually winning this one because it's like uh watching another western team play against the East. You always gotta pull for the East team, right? And uh right now we're we're all in crossover territory and so yep. we're all pulling for uh pulling for Christopher. Very good.
0: All right, on to the next game with a double header on Saturday. Uh it started with the early game at Mosaic Field with the Winnipeg or excuse me the Saskatchewan Roughriders hosting the Ottawa Red Blacks, and it was not really all that pretty. It was a pretty convincing win for the Saskatchewan Rough riders forty to eighteen over the Ottawa red blacks they they keep pace with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Going into the doubleheader on the Labor Day weekend. And, yeah, this was uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks. I'm sorry, they're a mess right now. <laughs> They've just got nobody quarterback-wise that can do anything really competent. I guess Jonathan Jennings was okay in this game. That might be stretching it a little bit, but he was, I guess, the bad of the best of a bad lot.
1: Unless this will aren't is okay.
0: Will, did you watch this game? What did you think, Saskatchewan and Ottawa?
1: You know what? I had a really, really, really busy weekend, mm-hmm. and the first game was the only game I can comment on because I didn't watch any of the other ones, and I did not have a chance to watch them yet. So I thought I would just sit back and listen to you guys. So,
0: all right, no problem. So let's go to Phil. He's our resident Ryder fan, so. I'm sure he was pretty happy with the result. Phil, what did you think of this one?
3: Uh, sorry, I, I actually missed this game too, fellas. I, I spent all day Saturday watching reruns of Family Matters.
0: Did I do that? <laughs> uh, no, it
3: was it was it was some great entertainment, guys. As you can imagine, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Like right off the bat, I'd like to mention that Dom Davis was actually perfect on the night. Not,
0: not not a single pass touched the ground. that's right.
3: He was three for six three to the with four, three to
0: the team and three to the riders uh,
3: that first one by Nick Marshall was really something to behold uh he He got burned in that first game by perfectly throwing balls the first game against ottawa and uh, there was nothing he could do. He was always had good coverage, but he got burned again and again and uh by freakishly well-thrown balls. Uh, but I sure can't say enough about him. To have, to have known that, or have the presence of mind to know the blitz call was on and seen the pressure on the quarterback, read the quarterback's eyes, and know there would be no chance of a pump fake because of the pressure, Marshall's decision to leave his deep man and jump the throw showed Incredible football acumen, and I don't mind saying like huge balls. Um, I, I had to rewatch that a, a dozen times to I, I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. and you know things didn't get much better for Ottawa. They threw two more picks in the first quarter, and once that third pick happened, the game was pretty much over. Fajardo didn't didn't put up freakish numbers because he didn't have to. He had all short fields to work with, but uh, he made them count. He made those turnovers count. You know, it was five turnovers. There was it was two fumbles later in the game as well. And that that one particular play where where Fajardo spun away from the uh, from the pressure, and and landed that, that perfect strike in the end zone to that our last dead president Roosevelt. Uh, that was was something something to behold as well it was nice to see Jonathan Jennings come in and and, and play well Uh, I thought he looked not not too bad and and he showed a little bit of confidence too so I I think that that bodes well for himself and and Ottawa going forward but uh, they were no match for the Riders Uh, last night that's all I got
0: All right, Mark, what did you think of this one?
2: This game was over within the first six throws. After that, really after the Marshall interception, it was like, okay, yeah, do I even need to watch this anymore? Because they were done. You could just see it. And then with the three, it was just ridiculous. Saskatchewan didn't need to put up big numbers. They just ate the ball. They didn't have to do anything. you got 20, 25-yard field that makes it nice and easy. And they ate up the clock, too, when they did get chances. Um, Ottawa, they've got to do something in a hurry. Really fast. Because they don't have a quarterback. Yeah, Jennings looked okay. But Everybody's got Philmont Jennings. they know what he's about. It's just going to be just as bad with maybe some yardage, like 200 yards passing. It's not going to get any better in the wind column. Ottawa's got to be terrified now of looking over at the western standings and looking at the crossover spot. They're in tough. Uh, the running back went out today too and I didn't notice if he came back in Crockett, he took a pretty good shot to the knee so if he's out for any length of time that's even worse Uh, now the Saskatchewan with this game they're full marks for the victory they beat up on an easy team to beat up on Ottawa is there's a reason they are where they are and Everybody's doing these power rankings. Sorry, guys. I actually have Ottawa at night. Nice. I don't see them winning another football game, not with the quarterbacks they have.
0: I can't disagree with that.
2: No. Um, they were just outclassed. Defensively, offensively, all, all aspects of the game, they were completely outclassed. So they need to make some changes in a hurry. Oh, coaches are getting fired. We know that because of the salary cap thing. So we know they're not getting fired. So they got to bring in some different players or something. Oh, and Chris Randall, I respected you so much as a bomber. Please retire. He was burnt over and over. Again, it's too bad. That's about it. Go ahead, Charles.
0: I cannot ever remember seeing a team start their first three intercepts first three drives ending in interceptions uh it may have happened before i'm not saying it hasn't but i've never seen it and once you saw that you know this game was basically over at that point yeah ottawa tried but come on they they, they weren't coming back after that um uh, that's how you destroy a um, team's confidence uh, in three drives. I mean, either Jennings came in and did his best, um, which isn't all that good and hasn't been in the last uh, for the last little while. And he just wasn't. Um, I mean, this team was basically dead in the water after the third interception. I mean. Saskatchewan was, for all intents and purposes, on cruise control. Uh it was 24-12 at the half. At no time after those three interceptions did I think anybody ever think that Saskatchewan was ever in danger of losing uh, that lead and losing the ball game. They were in control from the, um, from the get-go with uh, interception after interception after interception. That's got to demoralize a team a team whose confidence is probably already pretty fragile right now. Uh, So I don't know what Ottawa's going to do at this point because they are really uh, behind the eight ball. And like Mark says, you're not going to fire a coach. I think uh, unless something drastic happens, pretty much the the, the, – the days of mid-season coach firings are over because of this fire, because of this coach salary cap. Teams can't afford to fire coaches at that point, so um, they're going to have to live with it and just try and figure something out. But there's not a lot there. I mean, are they going to go out and try and find a uh, uh, another quarterback to bring in that'll stop the bleeding? There's not a lot out there right now. Who are you gonna go get? Drew Willie? Are you gonna try and coax Kevin Kevin Glenn out of uh retirement? I I and even at that I don't think it it gets any better. I mean, especially with Drew Willie, he can't uh he's not any answer, neither is Kevin Glenn. This is a team that I think most people thought um was uh in trouble in the off season once they got raided after free agency. They had that surprising start where they won their first two games and then at the bottom had fallen out. And I'm with Mark. I'm putting the Ottawa Red Blacks ninth in the power rankings. I even put them behind BC and Toronto because I know BC and Toronto, one win each, and have both, both lost as well. But I think both BC and Toronto looked a lot better than Ottawa did this week and have for a few weeks now. So I'm with Mark. I'm putting Ottawa right at the bottom of the power rankings. As for Saskatchewan quickly, they didn't need to be spectacular. They were playing uh, uh, a defeated team almost from the opening kickoff. Fajardo put up okay numbers. There was nothing spectacular about them. But, again, the defense pretty much stamped out any possibility of the Riders losing that game before the first quarter was over. With the three picks, that was pretty much ball game there. So that's my thoughts there. Anybody um, else with anything on on here? Only oh, totally that, completely... um, Fiardo has really impressed me. Me, yeah, absolutely. His,
2: his doing his reads and deciding when and not to run and everything else—he he's really impressed me.
1: Yeah, that's it. No kidding.
3: I certainly agree with both your analysis that uh, that the Ottawa Redblacks belong in the uh, in the cellar when it comes to power rankings right now.
0: <laughs> I mean, BC and Toronto both only have the one win, but both of those teams were a whole lot closer to winning this week than Ottawa was, and looked a lot better. Okay, so we had Ottawa losing to saskatchewan forty to eighteen. I had uh saskatchewan twenty eight to twelve. I'm out by eighteen. Mark, had a blowout but was a little bit high forty seven to fourteen. He was only out by eleven. uh Phil, you had forty four to twenty two. You were out by eight. You got even closer. CJ for some reason picked Ottawa. There always has to be one difference. But look at this, Will. Thirty-six to eighteen, you got the Ottawa score bang on and missed the Saskatchewan score by four. Will gets the gold star on this one. He wins this game by four points.
1: Okay, first preview. time I've ever picked this, first time I've ever picked Saskatchewan in my life. See, it paid off for you. Look at that. Yeah, now I'm going to become an instant Saskatchewan fan. Yeah, I think not.
0: Hmm. All right. So on to game number three, which was here on the West Coast last night at BC Play Stadium. If you like defensive football, this was the game for you. Only 23 points scored total. And the Hamilton Tiger Cats had 13, and the BC Lions, 10. So a couple of teams that have been known for offensive output, or at least should have the offensive output, come up uh, with just a, a tough defensive game in this one. So, well, I'd go to Will, but Will, you said you only watched the first game. You didn't see any of the other ones?
1: That's correct.
0: All right. So we'll move on there and go to Mark. How did you see this one?
2: This I do like defensive football, and I like hard-hitting football. So I did enjoy the game. It would have been nice to get some offense mixed up in there. But once again, Mike Riley can't throw touchdowns on his back. Was it seven sacks again last night?
1: Yes, yeah, second week in a row.
2: It, they're on track for, what is it, 72 or 75 yep. sacks for the season.
0: It's embarrassing.
2: There's been some really awful offensive lines, especially in Winnipeg. This is possibly one of the worst I've ever seen. And Mike Riley was letting them know in the fourth quarter. He was just barking at them. And... I don't know if you picked it up on the live mic, but he sounds exhausted, like he's done. He sounded beat up, old, and exhausted. They're going to have to protect him fast. BC's defense, I thought, played a really good game. They kept Dane Evans in check, and they kept Brandon Banks in check, which I thought would have been the deciding factor. Um They just didn't have enough to get the points because of that offensive line. You can't get the guys involved. And, yeah, they do need to run the ball more. We can beat that one to death. But the O-line's got to protect them. There was one sack, I think it was on a blitz, where one of the Hamilton players came in off the left, and the running back and the tackle just literally stood there.
0: Yeah, I know what you're he ran really talking about. Directly, it was, he ran directly
2: between them. Neither one of them even turned their head until Riley was on his back. Yep. Like CJ said, I think it was last week, running back's first job is to protect the quarterback. He has to block. He didn't even see him. It. It's There's something really wrong there. The defense could get them a couple of wins the way they're playing if the offense would just get some drives. And Hamilton, they're starting to come back a little bit to the rest of the pack. Now I think you'll see Montreal is going to catch up to them. um, Everybody's got game film on Evans now. He didn't do anything really wrong, but he's now starting to show a little bit more of the rookie that you expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, the class of backups and rookies right now, I give to Fiardo. Mm-hmm. Evans is he's starting to drop down the list. He's not quite as crisp as he was. His decision making is a little slower, and it's to be expected. But mm-hmm. uh, Hamilton, with the 13 10 wins, full marks for the win. Simone Lawrence again had a really good game. I've seen some people talk about him for defensive MOP and it's like yeah you know he's got the talent but he's also got a suspension that he appealed so yeah it's not going to happen but he definitely has the talent and Hamilton's defensive line it can be very very disruptive so if they can get it back on and Evans can stay they'll be fine BC BC that offensive line is just embarrassing. I feel bad for Riley. I feel bad for Burnham. Um, Deron Carter was involved in the game. He really was. That was, I think, thought his best game of the year. It wasn't great, but he was a lot more involved. And that was really good to see finally.
0: He took a huge hit.
2: Oh, did he ever. And he held on to the ball.
0: But you know what? I was happy to see that. He didn't try to avoid it.
2: No, that's one of the first
0: times this year. Many times. Yeah. Uh, uh,
2: BC's got the players. They've got the talent. They need an offensive line. Badly. (laughs) This may be a spot where you fire the offensive coordinator and eat the salary cap if you have to. They've got to do something. Especially
0: going into a bye week.
2: You're either firing the O C or you're firing the offensive line coach one or the other. You gotta do something.
0: That would be my that would be my choice. The offensive line coach.
2: Riley's gonna quit. And you can't blame him. Yeah. He sounded like he was just utterly dejected in the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. He just it's you can't blame him. He's doing what he can. And he does look confused at times, though, now. So I don't know if it's because he's just too scared of the offensive line and becoming gun-shy. But, no, Hamilton was good. For, I thought full marks for the victory. Their defense was just a little bit better than BC's was what it came down to. Mm-hmm. Go ahead.
0: All right, Phil, your thoughts. Hey, that's great analysis, Mark.
3: Well done. I. Uh, Completely concur with you. Uh, Apparently, uh, I just brought this up here. Apparently, um, there is one player ahead in the 7-Eleven power rankings for top linebackers, for player rankings for top linebackers this season. And it happens to be uh, Derek Moncrief out in Saskatchewan. And then some Lawrence. um, Yeah, he is a great linebacker, though. Can't deny that. The, uh, the, the Ticats continue to get it, get it done with their defense. And they, they, they really have a scary defense. And, and to be able to win games, much like Winnipeg, uh, with a number one quarterback out, and, uh, and really you know kind of not struggling but, but not looking sharp, I think they did pretty well, especially on the road. You know, it's a big time change. To go to Vancouver and and a tough tough place for an Ontario team to play, um, especially late at night on a on a uh, on a Saturday night. Um, I'm actually starting to feel sorry for Mike Riley uh, and his pass protection. Uh, it, it was actually sad that that, that football game was a uh, was mic'd up Mike Riley because uh, it. Uh, it, it saddened me to hear his voice, like you said, and uh, saddened me even more to see what happened on on some of the stacks. But I didn't remember the one in particular that you mentioned, but I, I remember another one that was just as brutal, where the right tackle only turned his head maybe 50, 60 degrees, and even turning his head, he couldn't keep up to the defensive end. Charleston Hughes going past him. He, uh, I, I, he, he never even got out of his stance. And by the time he did get out of his stance, Riley was flat on his back. And I and I think that's the one where where we heard something from Riley or Riley gave him the look there in the third quarter or something like that. Uh sorry, did I say Charleston Hughes? <laughs> uh, the Hamilton defensive end. I was trying to think the guy that plays on that side. <laughs> oh, geez, I can't. Anyway. I'm a little too much rider. Uh But uh, Farhan, uh, I thought he did a great job calling the game for TSN. I don't know what you guys thought about him, but uh, the play-by-play done by Farhan Lawalji was really nice to hear.
2: Um, Anytime I I I hear Rod Black, it's okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I like him
0: better than I I was actually surprised he was better than I expected.
1: You know, sorry guys, I know I didn't watch the game, but going back to Mike Riley and their offensive line in BC, I don't know why that hasn't been fixed yet. And I and I think that's just that's 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 100% coaching. Okay, cuz you can't have the same thing week after week after week after week. And that's what it's been for Mike Riley this year. He just has no chance. And I, and I don't understand how they haven't been able to fix that. And to me, it's offensive line coaching. It's offensive coordinator coaching. And, uh, and Mike Riley hasn't looked that great because now Mike Riley is looking for it, okay? He's more, he's more staring at the offensive line than he is downfield because he doesn't want to die this year. So that's my two cents. make
0: some sense. Um, the BC Lions are improving. They're still losing. They're not improving enough, but they are getting better. If you think back to that blowout here in BC place when the Riders came in there and kicked their ass, uh, they are looking better. They're not good enough, but they're better. Um, since Sean Lemon has returned uh, to the BC defense, they've looked like a different defense. They really have. I even thought I even thought they were pretty good against Winnipeg last week even though in the loss, they really hold them to only two touchdown drives, which was pretty good. Um and also David Menard, I think is also a um a good um David Menard is also a good return. I those, neither one of those guys should have left to begin with. Um, Mike Riley looks sore, uh, or sounds sore. You could just hear it in his voice on that live mic game. Half the time you had to look at him to see if he was, at some point you're thinking, is he just going to just say, forget it, I'm staying down? Because, quite frankly, the guy is so, um, uh, getting so beat up. I mean, back-to-back games of seven sacks. Think about that for a second. I mean, he's just getting hammered over and over again. And he keeps getting them. And the thing, he still passed for 289 yards last night. One of the things that really killed the Lions last night was they got absolutely hammered in the field position game. They were routinely starting at the 15-yard line, 20-yard line. they're way back on their own end. So they might put together a 50- or 60-yard drive, but when you're starting deep in your end zone, big deal. That's the big problem, and they just had no finish. I thought in the first half of last night's game, the Lions were head and shoulders the best, better team on the field. But they only got three points out of it. They had one interception on a play that probably should have been a free play, because Hamilton was offside and they missed it. And Riley went for a touchdown pass that got interception, intercepted. Another one the Lions were down deep in the end zone and the defensive back just made a great play. Uh and actually got a one-handed interception out of it. That was I can't remember I can't remember the defensive back's name, but it was a spectacular play to make that interception. And they just left a bunch of points on the field. And that's happened to them a few times this year where they've been actually the better team. I remember it happened to them in the season opener against the Bombers, where they were the better team, I thought, in the first half of that game, but left a bunch of points on the field. It happened when they were in Edmonton, and they left a bunch of points on the field. So they cannot—they have not been able to put a complete game together. Either the offense is clicking and the defense can't stop anyone, or vice versa. I mean, it's getting frustrating to watch. But um, you know, it, it is what it is. This is obviously not the Lions' year. They're not going to make the playoffs this year. I, I'm pretty much resigned to that fact now. One and nine. I mean, even if they were to turn things up and go five and three or six and two down the stretch, that's not that's still even if they go six and two, they got eight games left. that still only puts them seven and eleven in the Western Division. That's not even going to get you close to the crossover. Not with the meat grinder that is the Western Division. It's just not going to happen. It's not reality. So uh, you got to be realistic about these things. The Lions are basically now relegated to the spoiler, uh, spoiler, and they might do that if their defense keeps playing because that was easily the best game of the season for the Lions defense. But we couldn't put up any points, so it sucks. But it is what it is. And hey. Simone Lawrence had a great game last night, and he was a pillar on that Ottawa, on that Hamilton defense. So you got to give kudos to him. So that was that. So um, the final score in that one was thirteen to ten Hamilton. I surprise surprise picked Hamilton, or excuse me, pick BC. Yeah, right. Uh, so I lost that game. Will you pick? Um, Hamilton to win, 36 to 32, a four-point win. Well, Hamilton won by three points, but you were 45 points off because you were 23 off on Saskatchewan, 22 off on the Lions. Phil, you picked the Lions to win 30 to 29. You lost that game. CJ picked the Lions to win 42 24. Um, he loses on that game, and the winner on that game. Would be Mark, who had a score of twenty one sixteen for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, you were off by fourteen points, so you get the gold star on this one, good for you, Mark, and we're on to the game number four and of course, game number four was this morning as a matter of fact, nine o'clock our time here and noon in the east. It was the touchdown Atlantic game in Moncton, New Brunswick. And it turned out to be the best game of the weekend by a mile, surprisingly. And it was the Montreal Alouettes coming out on top of the Toronto Argonauts, 28-22. to, 22, 28 to 22. So, Phil, we're going to start with you on this one. What did you think of this game? This one was a good one.
3: Well, it was too early for me to actually get up and watch it at the time. Uh, Man, they get up early out there. And I do kind of now think a little bit about what Christopher has said about one of the pitfalls of having a team in Halifax is, I don't think I will ever see a Halifax home game uh, if the Schooners ever come to life. Uh, It's quite a time change. That's an early start for a football game here in in Mountain Time in Calgary even. I think Was it 9 o'clock Pacific?
0: Nine, nine yeah, at nine o'clock, I was, I was having my morning coffee while I was watching the game and having my breakfast. Yep. You know,
3: I I would hope they'd be playing the Friday night games. Second Friday night, you know, that would never work either. I I don't know. Yeah, they'd have to be the eight o'clock start local Friday night game, which would be make it the first one for yeah. uh, for myself to ever see a game there. think
0: um, I was say, if they if they start a game at seven o'clock. That 3 o'clock here.
3: So being I didn't see it, I, I spent a lot of time studying it this afternoon, uh, uh, the, the, the highlights and, and uh, read every story I could find on it. And, and uh, you know, uh, both quarterbacks put up some big yards passing. Uh, that, that, was, that was a pretty exciting game. I'm really disappointed I missed it. Uh, McLeod Bethel-Thompson threw that ball to, uh, I think it was – was it Arsenal or uh, uh, Amante Edwards At on the last play of the game? Yes. It was in his hands, and it got knocked out. I mean, it was so close to being a touchdown. Like mm-hmm. you, Only in the CFL. You, what a finish. What a finish.
0: That was, was a great a, finish.
3: Bang, bang play with a, with a hit, just enough of a hit to, to break that ball loose. Mm-hmm. And and uh, what a great storyline of that double reverse pass uh, with Greg Reed and that was Harry Jones. Spectacular. That was that that's that's one of the best storylines this year. Uh, eight years later, playing in Touchdown Atlantic again, coaching for a different team. That that pair combined to uh, come up and drop that play in, in an almost repeat of, of what happened with Hamilton and. Uh, back in in 2011.
0: That's all I got. Mark, did you see any of this game?
2: I did. I saw about 90% of it, and then I just PVR'd the parts I hadn't seen. Um, It was a fun game to watch. The crowd was really into it. I know we're going to get into about it later, but... The crowd was really into it. I' love the guys standing in the end zone. I would love to have those seats where you sit on the grass there. Yeah. You're not going to see a ton of the game, but they're certainly sure going to be fun when the touchdowns come into that end zone. Um, so the crowd was really into the game. Toronto, Montreal started off a little bit slow, and Bethel Thompson was right on, right from the start of the game. I feel bad for the guy because he did everything, everything he could. He willed that team to the win, and then it ends on an easily caught ball dropped. Uh, Bethel Thompson was fabulous throughout the game. Chris Rainey looked like he'd dropped 10 years again and was running all over the place. But Montreal is going to be tough to beat going forward the way they're playing. It was another monster game from their defense, even though it doesn't look like it was all the scoring and the yardage. When they needed to come up big, they came up big. Mwamba had another good football game. It's nice to see him playing as well as he has this year. Uh, it was just a fun game to watch. Montreal used both Jeremiah Johnson and back, which is great. You, you got that two headed monster coming. I don't want him to be playing Montreal right now. You have to disrupt Vag, as Will likes to say. Um, thought I'd get that in there for you, Will, so it sounded like you were actually talking about the game. Uh, but he, he isn't easily rattled. I like, he seems to be getting calmer every game. Uh, he's becoming a leader real quick. I'm enjoying watching it. And who would ever have thought Kahari Jones would be this good at making head coach decisions? Anybody on this panel?
0: Nope.
2: He should never have been just the offensive coordinator in BC. Maybe he should have been the head coach. It's just amazing watching the growth he's had this
0: year. This guy could be a candidate for Coach of the Year. I think he is a candidate for Coach of the Year.
2: Right now I think he is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's almost like they need to the come back of the year player awards and give it to a coach and give it to him.
0: Yep. Yeah, it
2: it's it, I'm really enjoying watching Montreal. Uh it it, it was just fun to watch a a nice CFL football game again. That's 2 weeks in a row we've had a CFL football game. You've had
0: everything. So,
2: Go ahead, Ralph.
0: Well, you got anything you wanted to add on this game?
1: No, I was at the gym, sorry. It's too early in the morning. All right. I just haven't enough. I just haven't had a chance to watch any of them, sorry guys.
0: Okay, so yeah, this this was a fabulous game to watch. This was one game that uh uh, it was really back and forth. It looked like Toronto was uh might be in control of this one late. They had a sixteen six um sixteen to six lead going into the half and it looked like they were going in for more and this is what I thought was the turning point of the game when uh the Argos were late it was late in the second half and the Argos were down deep in Montreal territory. And it looked like they might get some more points before the halftime. And then there was, I believe, with a high snap went up over um, Bethel Thompson and Montreal recovered to snuff out any points drive. If they were to go in and score a field goal or even a touchdown on that drive, the final score of this game might look completely different, but the defense came up big, got the turnover. And then what does Montreal do right out of the gate? They come out and uh, a 65-yard touchdown pass from Vernon Adams to uh, Eugene Lewis on the first play from scrimmage of the second half. And at that point, Montreal was pretty much off and running. They outscored Toronto 22-6 to in the second half. And I'm telling you, this Montreal team, everyone thought they were going to be a joke again this season. And let's face it, the way this season started, they looked like they were going to be a joke. Now they look like they could be a force in the Eastern Division. as ridiculous as this team, I think they got rid of uh, a lot of trouble when they got rid of and fired Cavis Reed, because quite frankly, that was a uh, once they got rid of Cavis Reed, this team hasn't looked back really. This team has been uh, on fire since that happened. I didn't know that the general manager could have that big of an impact on a team, but, I mean, they look like a completely different football team. They look like a team that can go in and um, beat anybody. They look like a te- they're a team that, even if they're behind, they seem to be able to scrap their way back. And they've got a balanced attack. Uh, Both passing. I mean, Vernon Adams had 335 yards passing. He's taken a huge step forward. I mean, I'm almost on the verge of now considering Vernon Adams a bona fide starting quarterback, which I don't think anyone before the season started would have even considered. And then they've got that good running. They've got one of the better running attacks in the CFL with William Stanback and Jeremiah Johnson. They've got a very good one-two punch at running back. They've got Good receivers. You got Quan Bray. You've got DeVere Posey. You've got Eugene Lewis. These guys are putting up numbers for them. And hey, when you look at their defense, Enoch Muamba, Chris Akey's playing well. Bola Cumble's playing well. He led the Argos in, or he led the in tackles today. You got John Bowman still there, the the veteran. I mean, so this team is still got some talent, and they're playing like it. And like Mark says. I think Hamilton's going to fall back because, quite frankly, Dave Evans uh, had a couple of decent games, but as teams are getting the book on him, teams are going to start to be able to shut them down. We already saw signs of that because BC shut Dane Evans, for the most part, shut him down pretty good this week. And as we go along, and with more and more uh, tape on this film, Hamilton's going to have a whole lot of tough times. Um winning football games, I think. I said back a few weeks ago that the Eastern Division is open for the Montreal Alouettes to take it, and I stand by that because right now they're probably playing the best football of any team in the East, including Hamilton. So you got to watch. This is a team to watch. This is legitimately a team that could make some noise, especially in that Eastern Division, which is not the strongest. So I think uh, this is a, a, ga- a team that we're going to be watching pretty good, and they can still win this division. Don't fool yourself. It's true. And uh, Toronto, just quickly on Toronto too, they got to feel like this one got away from them. First of all, to have the lead for basically the entire first half, and then they get down that close and have Armani Edwards, you've, you've got to be able to hang on to that ball. I mean, the ball was right there. If he just squeezes it, they win that game. Uh, well, at least they would tie. They still had to kick a convert, but uh, uh is pretty good at that. But you got to squeeze that. You cannot let that ball get knocked out, not in that situation. So he's got to be one that's um, – Argo's got to be saying, oh, we, this is one we should have had. And they probably should have but they didn't. Uh, the uh, Alouettes uh, held on to the 28-22 victory. Anything else from anybody on this game? you want to add in
3: just a really excited about about the success that the Montreal Alouettes have had and you know when I looked at their roster before the season started, I I told you guys I thought they were my my pet team. Um I knew they had some management and coaching problems, and great to see what's happened with Kahari Jones there, and and, uh, and, and so great that John Bowman uh, is getting to share in this success, and I'm and probably a big part of it because they're playing great on defense. Uh, I I believe he's the only Alouette left that has a great cup ring uh, that he obtained as a Montreal Alouette, uh, so I'm, I'm I'm excited that he's been able to extend his career and. And I've enjoyed watching him all these years and and uh, and, and I'm glad we still have the opportunity to, to watch his leadership at the
2: Owls. Good.
0: Mark, you ever say you something? No, I'm good. Okay. All right, so the final in this game was twenty eight to twenty two. For the Montreal Alouettes, Will, you said it was going to be forty-five to forty-four. You had the right team winning, but you were out by thirty-nine points. CJ had Toronto winning this game, twenty-two to nineteen, so he loses this one. Phil, you had a score of 35-21 for Montreal. Pretty close. You only missed the Toronto score by one. And you missed the Alouette score by seven, so that's only a difference of eight points, so that's pretty close. But I had you beat there. I had it thirty two to twenty four so that's four- out for Montreal and two for Toronto. six points for the win uh, but not quite. How about this mark twenty eight to twenty three bang on for Montreal, and missed the Toronto score by one point, a difference of one. So he pulls out his second of the week. Steals it right from underneath me. Normally you get six, and you're going to win, but you are only up by one point. Nicely done.
2: Not bad, and it goes back to what you said in your opening about uh, us knowing what we're doing. And we don't. That's what makes it even more fun.
0: Yep, that's true.
2: Pick a score and how about, on the top. And how I about just picked my scores
0: right there. Yeah. CJ wins the first game and loses on all the other three. He didn't even get the winning team right.
2: He hasn't had a good season.
0: No, he don't. he's still sitting there in the basement with only three wins. So right now, to update the standings uh, after week 11, Phil and Mark are both tied for first place with 12 wins. I'm sitting in third with nine wins. Will's two behind me with seven. And then CJ down in the basement with three. Yep. So very interesting. Hey, look, I got my buttons back. Let's talk CFL. I like pressing the buttons. All right, uh, so let's move on now. We've done our game reviews. We've done all four games. So let's move on to the rest of the agenda I did. It's kind of hard to do the agenda on the Sunday games after the Thursday or after the Wednesday show because you're basically doing um, uh, game reviews, and that's what most of the articles are about. They're either previews of the game or they're reviews of the game. So you got to look a little harder to find the actual topics. But uh, I found some that we can talk about here. So uh, Terry Jones from the Edmonton Sun, this was after the game on Thursday, saying that the wrote an article in the Edmonton Sun basically saying that the Edmonton Eskimos uh, have played 10 games this season, and they haven't beaten any uh, substantial teams. All of their wins have kind of come off the bottom feeders. So their record is kind of somewhat inflated because they've only beaten teams that uh, are not exactly giants. So um, anytime they've come up against a tough team, they've lost. And let's face it, they lost two to Winnipeg. Montreal beat them, and somebody else beat them. I can't remember who their other losses do. Maybe Hamilton, I think.
1: Calgary. Calgary. That's Calgary. right, Calgary they beat lost them. To Calgary. That's right.
0: All right. So uh, there's six and four, but uh, a lot of their wins, in fact, uh, according to Terry Jones, all of their wins uh, came at the hands of bottom feeders. Will, what do you think? Do you kind of agree with this assessment on the Eskimos?
1: You know what? I was just trying to look up who they've played, and uh, my internet's not working for some reason. I'll just... um, I don't. I never thought they were that good. And, I mean, although they did, uh, you know, replace uh, Mike Riley with Trevor Harris this year, I I don't like Trevor Harris. I told you that already. Um, but I did think Edmonton did uh, replace a lot of their defensive guys with better defensive guys, but I still think they're – Defensive backfield is uh suspect. And uh I uh I don't know if it's cockiness or what it is, but I'm not worried about Edmonton on Labor Day whatsoever this year, so, <laughs>
0: so. all right, so yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay, so just to go over it, here's the uh, the six Edmonton victories. Week one, they beat Montreal 32-25. to Montreal was a mess in week one. Then they beat the Lions uh, in two games, back-to-back. We know the Lions struggles. as much as it pains me to say they're bottom feeders this year. Then they beat Toronto, one win, bottom feeder. Then they beat Ottawa, bottom feeder. Then they beat Toronto, bottom feeder. So, um, yeah, the teams they've beaten are not exactly the class of the league. Then the games they've lost, Winnipeg, top team. Montreal, up-and-coming team. Calgary, top team. Winnipeg, top team. That's their four losses. So they're, they're games against top-level teams. They lose. The games against the bottom feeders they've won. And now they've got a home-and-home with Calgary coming up starting next week. So this will tell us a lot about Edmonton. All right, let's go to Phil. What are your thoughts on the Edmonton Eskimos? Are they not as good as the record indicates?
3: Well, the writer makes a pretty good point, Uh, but I I don't think it's quite as severe as as Mr. Jones points out there. Uh, Their D-line depth, though, may not be as great as we thought. You know, they were. you see this a lot with a D-line that is, is, is really good in July and then starts to taper off a little bit in August. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and, and it's just because the defensive lines in the C S L have now gone to normally rotating uh, three defensive tackles at two positions and three defensive ends at two positions. And um, just steady rotation. It wasn't always that way. They 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 may not be as well coached as say uh, a, like a Winnipeg Blue Bombers team whose coaching staff I'm gaining a lot of respect for after that particular win in in Edmonton uh, I think it uh, it's fairly apparent that that you know to put it simply the uh, the Eskimos were out coached in that game. And, uh, and 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 it's one of the games we're coaching, and and some great defensive play. Uh, that beat uh what is turning out to be a uh, still a contender, but not not as strong a team as I thought they were even a couple of weeks ago. Uh, of course, they can always rely on the arm of that quarterback, and he's going to win some sooner or later. He's going to win some shootouts, but uh, no, I, I I think the story has some merit in that uh, they're not as strong as as any of us thought they were.
0: That's about all I got. Mark, what are your thoughts on the Eskimos right now? Are they playing above their head? Are they not as good a team as the record would reflect?
2: I'd say you're correct. They're not as good as what everybody has been saying online and they're the dominant team because they've got Trevor Harris and he's throwing for. going to throw for over 6,000 yards and, but if you don't throw touchdowns you don't win football games
0: mm-hmm.
2: they scored one touchdown in eight quarters against Winnipeg one offensive touchdown that's it you're not going to beat the top flight teams throwing for over 400 yards a game and getting one touchdown every two games Mm-hmm. it could be an aberration just the way the schedule's rolled out kind of thing I don't know what their travel's been like but you've got to beat teams in the west the western division you have to beat your opponent you have to it's just too tight and they don't we all know I've never been a Trevor Harris fan I've made many comments about that. I'm always going to stick by them. He's not a clutch quarterback. He's great when he's got all the time in the world and he can throw it for 35, 40 yards and have great receivers run under it and catch it. When it gets down to having to think about what he needs to do, they kick a field goal. That's not an aberration. That's followed him his whole career from Toronto right through to Edmonton. It's followed them the, the entire time. They need to go to more of a running game or something because they're not as good as everybody thinks. And they don't have an easy schedule coming up either, I don't think. They haven't played Saskatchewan yet, so there's two games there they have to play Saskatchewan.
0: I'm Just looking at the schedule, they played Saskatchewan in the last two weeks of the season back-to-back.
1: And, and they also last play that. Calgary the next two weeks back-to-back. Yeah, they play Calgary back-to-back
0: the next two weeks. And they've already
1: lost the season series to Winnipeg.
2: Yep. They've got some huge games coming up. Because happens so, yep. no, they're not as good as everybody in the CFL thinks. It's, it seems to be the thing this year. The top teams are not offensive juggernauts. The offensive juggernauts are not good football
0: teams. No. Nope.
2: Mike Riley's still averaging probably over 300 yards a game.
0: He's pretty close. Passing,
2: I know he only had 260 last night, but he's still averaging around 300. Yep. Trevor Harris is on track for 6,000 yards. Only five other quarterbacks in history, as Rod mm-hmm. Blatt keeps telling us. Um, yay. You're going to throw for 6,000 yards. What's it going to get you if you don't win football games? If you don't... Hey, Mark, what, what,
3: hey, Mark what, what do you think about my suggestion that this is the Chris Jones effect on the CFL? Can anybody else To
2: You're not far off.
0: No, I don't think so
2: you're really not far off. It's not a bad theory. He left his mark on every single team he was with. Good or bad. He left his mark with every single team he was coached with.
0: Mm -hmm. That's it. Go ahead. And you look at it, the Edmonton Eskimos have one win this season – against a team with a better than 500 record. That win was against the Montreal Alouettes in week one before they had worked out all of their their issues. Other than that, two against BC, who have one win, two against Toronto, who have one win, and one against Ottawa, who have three wins. And all four losses are against teams that have a better than 500 record. So that's a telling stat. And it's going to be even more telling, I think, that these next two games with Calgary, the Labor Day Classic and then the follow-up game at Commonwealth, these are going to be very interesting to see how this goes. Um, And the other thing I'll say is, I'm sorry. To this point, I am still not convinced of Jason Moss as a head coach. I don't think he's got the temperament. He loses his temper far too quickly. And it rubs off on his players. We saw it last year when they collapsed down the stretch and missed the playoffs, and I think it's it's happening again. He was getting mad again against the Bombers. He kept, he kept getting upset, and I just think he's over-emotional at times, <laughs> and it rubs off. He just doesn't have the temperament to be a head coach.
1: He flies
0: off the handle far too quickly.
1: You know, we can say anything we want about all the different teams, Edmonton, Calgary, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan. But let's face it, the real football starts this weekend, okay? Yep. We're gonna make a huge difference starting this weekend about all the teams and, and we will see I think we'll see the cream rise to the top. Okay? Yeah and it's gonna be a battle from there on. So and, yep. and it's and it's really it's really setting up for a good a good end of the season. Okay, it's really setting yep. up that way because yep. everybody's just been everybody's just been going along and going along. With the exception of Winnipeg, they're eight and two, but they're just going along and going along. And I hope we see better football starting this weekend. To be honest, with oh,
0: me. I think we will because we traditionally so, do. I mean, in the yep, West, that's going to yep, be a meat do. grinder. Yep.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, w- with the four teams, and even BC, if their defense continues to improve, I mean they're really no, kind of out of it as, in terms of the playoff hunt. But they could, if their defense improves and they somehow figure out their offensive line, they could play spoiler for some teams and really screw up some teams' plans. So the West is you know, going to be it, a complete meat grinder.
1: It's funny. Sorry, I went on,
0: through. Will.
1: I went through all the teams' games. Um, from Labor Day on, and I set up every case scenario of where people could do if this happens, if that happens, and the West is so far up for grabs right now, it's scary. It is absolutely mm-hmm. scary. Okay, I mean it's 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 gonna be a it's gonna be a crazy finish. I guarantee it. Mm-hmm. And sorry, Charles, I didn't I didn't include BC in there at all. But BC no, I can upset me. some teams. BC, but they could the so be a factor if they beat some teams. Yes, because the West is so close right now. If BC goes in and wins a couple of games about Western teams, it's going to upset the whole apple cart big time. It,
0: it just throw it into even more uh, more chaos, yeah. which I think it could. So yeah,
1: yeah, hey, Will, I, absolutely. I think too.
3: Hey, well, I, I I agree there, and you know, really, it's interesting that uh, we've got back to backs going on in Alberta. And then back-to-backs going on elsewhere in the prairies between the top four teams right now, it, it's almost like we're in a college playoff with, uh, with with where the winner is going to be sided by two-game total point series on each side, because it, it is. If if one of one of Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, or Saskatchewan were to sweep their series in the next two weeks, it will really set up the West for what we're going to see in the at the end of the season, I mean, it it might be difficult for somebody to come back from that. And so we're in elimination round starting this weekend.
1: And, Phil, the scariest thing for me is <laughs> the real scariest thing for me is Saskatchewan could be, in, could be right in there. And I think they have at least one game in Calgary. And I hate when Saskatchewan fans are in Calgary when their team is actually winning it they're they're even more ignorant than before, okay? they're ignorant even when they're losing, but when they're winning it's just i i just i just i don't even want to i don't even want to be in the stadium okay because I'm too told to go to jail okay to be after I beat up a saskatchewan fan okay well,
2: just think of it as a boycott average hey, it helps your economy well.
1: <laughs> I can help the economy in other ways, Mark. I don't need to that, <laughs> them. sorry.
2: It's even it, it this is a big uh, next two games for Hamilton too though.
0: Oh yeah, I agree.
2: You know if Montreal wins their next two and Hamilton somehow Toronto really gets good all of a sudden and sweeps them, Montreal's right there.
3: Who have they each got, Mark? Hmm? Who have they each got the next two weeks?
2: Well, Hamilton and Toronto play each other in the next two weeks, for sure. Yeah.
0: Next week, Montreal's um, on a bye. And then, and then they, they got the play Lions BC at home. After? What? Do they play BC? Um, yeah, they got the, the Lions week? at home on September 6th. And yeah. then the week after, they're in Saskatchewan. Now, that might be a tough game for them, but hey. They went into Calgary and win, so won, and anything's possible.
2: Anything's possible. So even in the East, even though it's the usual East where there's two teams that are in contention, these are two huge games for Hamilton. This was where, where if Hamilton's got it.
0: The big issue right you now know, for Montreal is they've got now got six straight against the West. Yeah. 2 against BC, 2 against Winnipeg, 1 against Saskatchewan, 1 against Calgary. That's not an easy schedule.
1: And you know what, Mark, I'm even looking at down the road cuz I intend I I I'm I'm in my mind Calgary's going to be there and I'm looking at the back-to-back games they play Winnipeg near the end of the season. And I might have to fly to Winnipeg to watch that game in October, and I cannot believe I'm thinking about going to a game in Winnipeg in October. Okay. <laughs>
3: okay well, they're, they're not friendly to Rider fans there. It's 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 not like uh, not like Calgary or or BC for Rider fans. So I don't know how they're going to treat uh, Peters fans there. But it's not always comfortable
2: in Winnipeg. Oh, as a stamp fan, you're just fine.
0: And It's funny, I just looked at yeah. it. We were talking about how BC could be a spoiler uh, in the East, but not for a long time because the Lions got five straight against the uh, – uh, BC could be a spoiler in the West, but not for a long time. They got five Absolutely. straight against the East. Yeah. They play Montreal twice, they play Ottawa twice, and they play Toronto. So they don't play another Western team now until October 12th. Yeah. So you can't so, pick yeah. up
2: any ground against each other, not a four point
1: game. Yeesh. Nope. It'll be interesting. Yep. For sure. It's it well,
2: right? What's that? BC's out,
0: right? Of the playoffs? They're eliminated. Mathematically out. no mathematically oh. no, but realistically, yeah, they're pretty much out. Yeah. At this point. Got to be pretty strong even, now. even let's say now. BC were to run the table, which is ridiculous, it's not going to happen. They got eight games left, so if they run the table, that's nine and nine, that gives them 18 points. But then, I mean, the the Bombers are already at 16. Yeah. Saskatchewan and Edmonton are at 12, and Calgary's at 10. So I mean, all Calgary has to do is win four of nine, and yeah, it's, it's just not going to. The, the math doesn't add up.
3: Well, I'd like to offer that the Lions have two weeks on a bye week here to fix up their offensive line, and if they were happy too with the way their defense has been playing, and Mike Riley and a, and a strong set of receivers, it's not impossible that they couldn't run the table. BC teams have been a known for they've been they've been known for, for starting really weak and in some of their best seasons in BC, going back to the, the 2000s and the 90s. And I don't know what it is about the weather and the water out there because uh, the politics is different, so maybe the football is different for that reason too. So maybe they like to play mm-hmm. later in the season in BC. You never know.
0: Well, in the CFL, anything can happen. Yep. All right. So anything? Uh, anyone with anything left on this topic here, or shall we move on?
1: moving
0: on. Well, judging by the silence, I guess we're moving on. Whoa. Let's talk CFL.
2: All
0: right, segment six. This is one that probably Mark will want to talk about a little bit more, and this made a lot of headlines on Friday, believe me. Uh, of course, the, N- the NFL held an exhibition game at IGF Field in Winnipeg, and it was pretty much a disaster. The, the field conditions were ridiculous. Uh, there were holes in the field. The field was bubbling up. They actually had to shorten the field to 80 yards because of some of these uh, issues. The Green Bay Packers would not allow any of their starters to play on the field. It turned into a complete debacle. Now, here's the question. A lot of people have been blaming Winnipeg, a lot of people have been, been blaming the Winnipeg Blue Bombers organization. They've been blaming IGF Field. Do the Bombers really bear any of the responsibility on this or should this just be an NFL screw up cuz they brought their own field crew and everything and they they kind of dropped the ball. This was a nightmare. Who bears the blame for this? Mark, you were in Winnipeg. There was a lot of criticism hurled at Winnipeg for this. But uh, from what I'm reading, this was an NFL screw-up, plain and simple. It was their field crew that screwed it up and everything. So what what happened there? What what's, Who's to blame for this? Plain and simple, it's the
2: NFL. Yeah. And the promoter. The promoter as well. The promoter made a bunch of promises. Not one of them came off. There was going to be events around the game. Well, there was one that the city of Winnipeg put on at a tourist attraction. They had it outside. Big deal. Um, The field. Everybody's talking about this hole. It's a divot. Have we seen? We all watch. Everybody on the podcast tonight watches NFL. Yep. Have we seen where Oakland? has played. You know, where they, they got a
0: friggin' been. baseball diamond right in the middle of their field.
2: Uh, Green Bay, the other team playing. Anybody ever see that field in the playoffs? It's a
0: cow pasture.
2: This is a the league f- that... This is a league that canceled their Hall of Fame game last year because they didn't like the shape of the field. The funny part of this whole thing And it's really not reported a lot. The NFL and the NFLPA both signed off on the field in the morning.
0: Yes, that's correct. Aaron Rodgers. The day before.
2: There's a couple of pictures of Aaron Rodgers walking out to where the divot is, looking at it, and basically saying, nope, not playing. And that's why they had to do it. He spoke for his team. Said we're not playing. And then when they do decide to go to this 80-yard field, Green Bay scratches 33 of their starters. Mhm. So people that were paying $400 for a ticket to see Aaron Rodgers,
0: mm-hmm. now they got to watch
2: him stand on the sidelines.
0: You got to see him walking through uh, the airport in a Canadian tuxedo. Yeah, yeah.
2: With the 1980s porn mustache going, too. (laughs) Yeah. um, It was a debacle. It really was. Winnipeg is just getting destroyed on social media. I'm not Mm -hmm. even looking at it anymore. They had nothing to do with it. They were the facility rental. John Gruden even said he had no problem with the field. Yep. But as soon as Green Bay scratched all their guys, of course they're scratching theirs. So people paying $400 a ticket, all of a sudden are watching third, fourth, and fifth strings. And the only plus about that would maybe be if they were CFL fans, they might see guys that are going to be in the CFL in a couple of years. is yep. all they saw. So, the promoter was a farce. There's already talk of lawsuits, and that would be the NFL suing the promoter. So, hey, what if it can come off looking bad. At the end of the day, the bombers made money on it. That's all that matters, really, when it comes down to it. Maybe this will be the last time the NFL tries to come up here. No more games. Mm-hmm.
0: Last time going to Winnipeg, that's for sure.
2: Oh, that's for sure. Hell the players didn't even stay in the hotels. They flew in, they flew out. And now we can get back to being from Winnipeg, Manitoba, not Winnipeg, Alberta. Oh God. It was a failure. Where all did the they way get around. those made? I have no idea. Um I'm gonna assume in a sweatshop.
0: I mean who? Did, uh, are you maybe telling me nobody in the Green Bay Pack? Uh, that was a Packers guy wearing that shirt, right? Yeah. Yeah. Are you telling me nobody in the Green Bay um, organization knows anything about freaking geography? And that hey, Winnipeg's hey, not in Alberta; it's in Manitoba. And, they're,
1: they're and they're was not, there not a, a was there? I was gonna say was there not a sky airplane? who plays for the Packers, who's trying out for the Packers, sitting right next to him from Windsor, Ontario. That's what I heard. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And Aaron
2: Rodgers, apparently, is a big fan of the CFL. And Mike Riley,
1: they're buddies.
2: Yeah, Winnipeg, Alberta. Mm.
1: Whatever. You know, Uh, if if I'm going anywhere, if I'm going anywhere and I don't know about the place. I Google the crap out of it, okay? Yeah. Because I like to know this stuff in general, okay? But once again, I guess typical Americans—they don't care. So I'll give credit Yeah.
2: No, because they brought their flame. They brought the black hole. There was people dressed up like the black hole. So those the the Oakland fans had fun a bunch of the players went and high-fived everybody after the game so River Fernandez was out there it was cool yep. from that part but from the whole Paul thing it's like shut up the NFLPA you guys signed off on it and because the hundred million dollar man says no that's it go away don't come back, please.
1: Go ahead. I did think it was pretty cool that the uh Raiders logo was in the middle of the bombers field. That was pretty cool. I've always I don't like the Raiders but I've always liked their logo. All right. oh, awesome. But I, I think pardon me.
2: It's an awesome picture.
1: I, I think uh if I was a fan and I paid that much money and I didn't see any starters, I'd never watch the NFL game again. They they just you know what? It's just they have a they have an arrogant attitude, obviously, and they don't really care. It's all about the money and as a fan and I would have never shelled out that kind of money to watch an exhibition game anyways. But I think it's just a total farce. And it's too bad. So,
0: And one of the reasons they have these neutral site um, games in the exhibition is to show off their sport, to promote their sport. Well, how the hell are you doing that when you're playing guys that won't be on an NFL roster in 10 days? I mean, ridiculous. And they're paying top dollar. They're paying more money than guys – Buying tickets for regular season games in Green Bay to watch a bunch of scrubs. Sounds like a good time. Not on a field that's da- on a dangerous field. Exciting. And yeah, the Bombers in the city of Winnipeg don't shouldn't be getting skewered. This is right on the NFL. Like Mark said, both the NFL and the NFLPA had the field inspected by their members, and they both signed off on it. So if you're going to blame anyone, blame those guys, because they saw the field, they said it was fine. Even John Gruden said that the Raiders had no problem with it. Aaron Rodgers did, and that's who probably a large majority of the fans were coming to see. Didn't get a chance to see him play in action, though. Phil, you got any thoughts on this? Uh, only that I don't. I'm not in any way going to blame the
3: Bombers or the city of Winnipeg or IGF Field people for this. Uh, the one I'm just only going to add one thing that hasn't been mentioned at all. Of course, the the uh, I believe the, the fault lies with the NFL first, the Oakland Raiders second, the uh, the promoter third. And and that's pretty much where it ends, but uh, you got to realize too that from an Oakland Raider uh, perspective, uh, this actually uh, w- allowed them to give better value for their fans, not forcing them to have to buy a uh, in their season ticket package uh, a second preseason game. So by offering that better value, I'm sure they were able to market that and uh, and probably kick out a few more season tickets in Oakland. So. Uh, Financially, I don't think they're, they're going to be uh, hit as hard as one might think because the, the game didn't sell well in Winnipeg. And uh, I think
0: that's all I got. Yep. No, this this was just an embarrassment all around, but I'm not going to blame Winnipeg. Like uh, Mark said, this was just basically, they were the facility that re- rental. They wanted to play at the stadium, so they rented it. And... Uh, um, they had their, own, they did have their own um, field crew. They're the ones that set that field up. It wasn't the IGF guys. The NFL set their own crew. They're the ones that screwed it up.
3: I'm, I'm so glad to hear the that blame the Bombers on made money. I'm glad to hear the Bombers made some money on it. Uh, at least something good came out of
0: it. Yep. But, yeah, it's a bad one, but, uh, you know, it's over, and I don't know. When you look at the the history, recent history of NA, NFL preseason in Canada, we had this thing here in Winnipeg. Then, remember, you had the Bills series, series in Toronto that they couldn't sell tickets to. They gave away thousands of tickets to that. They're not rushing back to Canada anytime soon, I don't think. Because they're not getting good experiences up here.
3: No, and considering so. how much uh, support they got from uh, Canadian sports media, i.e., TSN at the time, when the Bills did play in Toronto and still didn't mm-hmm. sell out those stadiums,
1: they're even with show. regular
3: season games, uh, I, they're, yeah, they're pretty soured on, on Canada. They hit the wrong market first, actually. They probably should have hit Calgary or Edmonton, you know, what uh, because of population and, and, and interest in football.
0: Yeah, maybe. And remember, this was a game that they initially were talking about having in Saskatchewan. And then Saskatchewan said, no, we don't want it. They came out looking smart on this because it turned into nothing but a gigantic headache. Yeah, Edmonton I thought was Saskatchewan was a like great target. Sorry. What's that?
2: Edmonton was uh, the other team they were looking at going to.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, Edmonton's had their own issues with field conditions, remembering back. To that awful field in the Grey Cup last year. Yep. Yep. Yeah. All right. All right, so I think we've exhausted this topic. Unless Anyone has anything else they want to add? No.
1: Nope. Again, I'll Good take that as a no, basis. so... Yep.
0: All right, on to segment seven. Jeez, we're already down to 15 minutes. Got to get going. All right, Ed Willis of the Province the local newspaper here in Vancouver asked the question: Would the Lions be drawing better if the team was winning? Uh, what do we think? Um, I like Ed Willis. He's always been a good um, newspaper uh, guy. He's always given good coverage for the BC Lions. But did he just seriously write an article asking that question? I'm sorry, but people support winners because when a team has a good vibe going and they're winning games, it draws in more casual fans. That's just common sense. Mark, what do you think? Are the Lions going to be drawing better if they're winning more games?
2: Couldn't he have actually just titled or or ended the column with, duh? Well, Anybody's going to get more fans if they're winning all the time. Yeah, uh, but but as well, crowds are down anyway across the league.
0: Yeah, it's, it's just like, so not it's not just in Vancouver and Toronto. Crowds no. have been down everywhere.
2: Saskatchewan still gets good crowds, but they don't sell out. Yep. So it is what it is. Could they get more fans? Of course they could. Yep. Do, do I see more than twenty five ever again in BC Place? No. If you move the team, yes. Where did the majority of the fans come from?
0: The Lower Mainland is out in the valley.
2: Yeah. How so long does it take you to go to a game?
0: If I leave my house, uh, to go to a game, a 7 o'clock game in Vancouver, I pretty much have to leave my house at 4 o'clock to get there on time. Okay. Once so it's with traffic went- and parking and everything, So and then basically it's an hour and a half driving- back. Yeah, it's, you're
2: basically driving like five hours.
0: Yeah, pretty close. Plus the
2: three hours at the football game. Mm hmm. That's a big commitment for yep. a lot of people if the team isn't winning. It's a big commitment even if they are. But when you suck as bad as they have been, people are just going to, I'm not wasting that much time. The kids mm-hmm. have school tomorrow. You know, the Thursday games are done with finally. Thank but God you got to have the kids involved in there, too, and that's a long night for them. Yeah, this you probably know real well because you've been taking your son to the games for a long time.
0: Yes, that's true.
2: Uh, you know, it's a long night for everybody. Yeah. Lose it was a weeknight he, game. Boom. He
0: barely ever comes anymore because it just gets too late. Yeah. And, uh, but, that's I it. mean, come on. I mean, to me this is lazy journalism because the. the, the the question pretty much answers itself. Uh, Phil, what do you think on this topic? Yeah, it's a it's a duh. <laughs> the headline at least anyway.
3: Uh I didn't read it to see if there was any media because sometimes the headline just turns me off. But you know, uh Lions could change their marketing to I th- I think for brought this used this same term in another context the other night is They could change their marketing to, are you not entertained? And and they could really push tickets behind the BC bench as, as watching what Mike Riley's been going through this season is, is pretty much like the movie of gladiator live. So people could imagine what it's like to be in the Roman Coliseum back when, when it was alive. And, uh, that might just bring BC place alive too. I think they could market to poor Mike Riley's, uh, efforts this season and his drive and his unwillingness to come out of the game is one of the most amazing feats I've watched in sport and life in in my entire life that's all I got
1: yep Will isn't that like saying if any team wins in the CFL will their attendance be up I mean, of course, it will be in a lot of situations. Um, but uh and I and once again, you know what? It's funny, Labor Day, I think, solves everything because I think after Labor Day, the attendance is up in the cFL typically, that's right? true because the summer's over, people aren't on vacation. we don't get Thursday night games. We don't get Saturday afternoon games. We don't get any of that crap anymore because it's all crap. Those are not ideal times to have football games. I mean, I look at two weeks ago, Calgary-Montreal on a Saturday at 5 o'clock. The crowd was pathetic, and that was one of the best football games I've seen this year. But people work on Saturdays. 5 o'clock in the afternoon, most people are just getting off of work, and it doesn't work. I think somebody... And I, and I guess it's all created by TSN because they want games and on those nights and, and stuff like that. But, of course, the tenants would be better, I think, if the Lions were winning. Of course it would be. I mean, it's just a dumb question.
0: I mean, and there's literally um, history to go and look at to prove this point. Look back to the late 90s and early 2000s, where the Lions struggled in regular season. Back in like 96, 97, they were having crap seasons, and they were drawing like 12,000 people to a game. I heard that one game against Hamilton, where the crowd was announced at 11,500, and if there were more than 5,000 people in the building, I would be completely and utterly shocked. And within about two or three years, Bobby A. Ackles came back. The team brought in Dave Dickinson, they started winning, and they were drawing twenty-five to 30,000 people per game. Why? Because they were winning. It's not rocket science. I mean, um, not 2003 was the first year of the Wally Buono-Dave Dickinson era. I think in the season opener against Winnipeg, they had 17,000 people at it. By the end of the year, when they were playing for a, a first-place uh, finish, they had 30,000. What was the difference? They won a lot that season, and people get interested. And This is not B.C. specific. This is any sports team in any city. If you're playing better, you're going to draw people. Look at another sports example. Vancouver Canucks had a huge sellout streak, went to the Stanley Cup Finals in the early 2010s. Last few years, they have missed the playoffs have had trouble selling out their building. I mean, it's just common sense, right? Am I wrong about that? Come on. That's kind of a lazy headline to write. Of course it's going to be... Uh, of course it's going to be... Um, they're going to be um, better at that point. It's just obvious. It's just obvious. It's just... I don't even know why they would put... I mean, like I said, Ed, Ed Willis has been a, a, an excellent CFL writer, but this... uh article just made me shake my head because it was uh, almost answered itself. But anyways, uh, let's move on from that. We're down to about seven minutes, and we got a couple more segments to go through. So Touchdown Atlantic was held this weekend. In, f- in fact, forget this weekend. It was held this morning. Uh, and the Atlantic Schooners group, these guys trying to bring a team to Halifax, said the success or failure of this event would not have an impact on their quest for an expansion team, but does it actually give an indicator to the uh interest in the region? uh we'll start with will on this one. will, what say you on this topic? Are you on mute? Am I on mute?
1: Sorry, no, I heard you. There we go. <laughs> I heard you. Uh, I wish I could say I was listening to you. What was the What was the topic? I'm sorry. Uh,
0: okay. Uh, no. Um, um, this touchdown Atlantic game that they held this morning uh, in Moncton. Does this give yes. an indicator to uh, the interest of in in the region uh, for the CFL? Because I did notice that the crowd was definitely into the game, but if you looked. There were a fair number of empty seats in the stands.
1: Yeah, you know, is it an What is what is Halifax from New Brunswick? Isn't it a four-hour drive or to Moncton? Isn't it a four-hour drive or something like that? Uh, I I don't I'm think exactly you're gonna sure, get. But... I think it is. I think I read that somewhere today. You're not gonna get guys driving from Moncton if Halifax gets a team. I don't think, anyways, unless it. Unless unless it's a weekend game, okay, you're probably not going to get that. Does, is it any indicator? I, I guess it is, sort of. I mean, you do have – there are – I do believe there are football fans in eastern Canada, like in the Maritimes, that, that watch CFL football. Um, And have they ever – they've never had a team out there. But I know college football is – Pretty popular out there. Um, so, is it an indicator? I don't know. I mean, maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Um, there's people out there, and if you have people, some of them are going to be football fans. It's that simple. Um, and and I guess if Halifax gets a team, I guess we'll we'll pretty much find out. Okay. And you know what? One of my side things is I really wish. Halifax would build a stadium so they'll get a team So they'll start considering building another stadium in Calgary So Because if a no-brain If a no-brain team Or if a no-name team can get a stadium Why can't the Stampeders
0: All right, Uh, Will, what do you think? Sorry, we talked to Will already. Uh, Mark, what do you think?
2: Will, I did Google it. It's a two-hour and 40-minute drive, so it's not horrible. There's a lot of people in Saskatchewan that do that, but it's not going to happen a ton out there, not with something that's not huge, really. Uh, I can't really say for Halifax. I have been there. I've been through the, the East Coast. Uh, football didn 't seem to be huge there, but it was a good crowd. It was over ten thousand yep. uh, so that 's not a bad crowd for really no home team the two i guess it 's the two closest teams to them is why they keep putting them in there. The crowd looked like they had fun, but they have to carry the momentum they what momentum they gained they have to carry forward though it can't just go back to being dead quiet again. They need to do a press conference or something just to keep some momentum going with this and keep it in the news. So that's really that's about it. Since we don't have a ton of time, go ahead.
0: All right, your thoughts, um, Phil?
2: I thought it's really interesting that the
3: uh, – CFL didn't seem to do any of its own promotion like it had done with the uh, previous touchdown and on this. And I'm, I'm really concerned that about the relationship between the CFL and the ownership group or the proposed ownership group of the Schooners. Um, it, it doesn't seem to be going well. Some, something's wrong, and, uh, and I, hope they get it, I hope they get it straightened out because I'm sure, certainly committed to, to having a 10-team league or sh- surely hoping for one. That's
0: all I got. Yeah. All right. And I'm going to have to end it there because we're down to just over a minute in tonight's show. Uh, we didn't get to the final segment. So I'm just going to quickly say congratulations to both Darren Flutie and uh, G. Roy Simon, who got put on the BC Lions Wall of Fame last night. Also, Carrie Joseph got put on the Wall of Fame for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So congratulations to him as well. We got less than a minute. Let's and Neil Hughes. Good night. Neil Hughes as well. Yes, correct. All right, let's quickly go around and say good night. We got left than a minute. uh Will, say good night.
1: Good night, everybody. Watch or stay tuned for Wednesday for our predictions. uh go out Mark, say good night.
2: Good night, everybody. We'll talk to you next week.
0: Phil say good night.
3: Good night, everybody. Boycott average.
0: All right, good night. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, We hope you enjoyed it. We're going to be back uh, with the upcoming uh, Labor Day uh, classes coming up, so we'll be back to predict those games Wednesday night. I'm sure CJ will be back with us. Uh, Thanks for listening, everyone. Good night, and have a pleasant tomorrow.